What we are given in this passage today from Matthew is the introduction to the Sermon on the Mount. <laughs> in the next several Sundays, we will hear more of that sermon. Keep in mind that for Matthew, Jesus is the new Moses, the great prophet whom Moses promised would someday come after him. Consider that here at Nativity Parish, we have a stone sculpture in front of our church that has the Ten Commandments written on one side and the Beatitudes written on the other side. We might think that as Moses brought the Ten Commandments to God's people, Jesus went further by giving us the Beatitudes. There are prescriptions for a holy life. Commandments, most commandments tell us not what to do if we want to have if we want to love our neighbor as ourselves. The Beatitudes go further and tell us that what to do if we want to love our neighbor as God wants. When we think of Moses, we tend to think of the great figure of the book of Exodus. After all, he is the one that the Lord chose to confront the Pharaoh and to lead the Hebrew slaves out of Egypt. And there's that dramatic scene of Moses coming down the mountain in the wilderness, carried stone tablets with the inscribed words of the Ten Commandments, God's instruction for his covenant people. Notice Matthew tells us that Jesus went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. Let's explore the spiritual aspects of the new authoritative teaching that Christ gave. I suggest that we look at the Beatitudes as the charter of the kingdom, certainly, but as hope for us seen within the framework of a new exodus, a journey to freedom. With Moses, the people had the hope of obtaining the promised land. And in the Beatitudes, we are promised the kingdom of heaven. Another thing about Jesus, the king, is that what we can expect to hear from him is a reversal of values. Just think of all the worldly values that Matthew and his fellow tax collectors lived by before his conversion. And we live in a culture that places a premium on happiness with its pursuit of material things and pleasure. So that what Jesus had to say is countercultural. His people are to be different. I suggest that Jesus, the maker of a new covenant, is giving a description of the attitudes that someone who is a citizen of his kingdom must have. And these are spiritual attitudes that he himself possesses in their fullness. How are we to embody these characteristics in ourselves? A good way to proceed would be to look at and to imitate the virtues of the saints, those who were docile to the Holy Spirit. For me, one good example of meekness or gentleness is the Capuchin Friar, Father Solanus Casey, an American who died not so long ago, 1957, when Detroit cars were sprouting tail fins. He proved his great humility when he was ordained in 1904 
And his ministry as a Capuchin priest was limited only to celebrating Mass. He was not allowed to preach formally or to hear confessions. Father Solanus spent his 53 years as a priest in menial service as a sacristan and a porter. As the author Bert Gezzi puts it, as the doorkeeper of St. Bonaventure's Friary in Detroit, he became a 20th century John Vianney. Thousands discovered that Solanus was a good listener, and they benefited from his sage advice and spiritual insight. Thousands received God's healing through his ministry. So many people were miraculously touched that Blessed Solanus Casey ranks among the most prodigious wonder workers in church history. There are the merciful. Take the saintly parents of the beloved Carmelite St. Therese of Little Flower. You may not realize that Louis and Zaley, married in 1858, were canonized by Pope Francis in 2015. The saintly couple were upper middle class in status, but lived exemplary Christian lives. In her biography on their youngest daughter, Therese, Dorothy Day, a woman who dedicated to working with the poor, wrote of them. The Martins themselves did more than tithe. They administered to the poor, gave one day a week to their calls, and taught their children that it was a privilege to serve the unfortunate with their own hands and to do the works of mercy directly. And then there are the peacemakers. If we look at the life of St. Catherine of Siena, a Dominican laywoman, we see a brave peacemaker. By prayer and personal diplomacy, she labored to make peace between popes and Italian city-states. On her knees and with her letters, she sought peace for the church by influencing the pope to return from Avignon in France to Rome. The author, Burghese, continues, Catherine gathered a band of disciples who served Siena's poor. Daily the saint baked and baked bread to feed the hunger. But her real concern was for hungry souls. Catherine evangelized the whole town. No one escaped her attention. She would visit the jails the dungeons, and belligerent inmates repented. I particularly like the portrayal that Louis DeWall, the novelist, gives in his novel on Catherine. To sum up in Matthew, the eight Beatitudes announce for us the blessings of the new covenant. These blessings are introduced to us on earth but are to be realized in their fullness in heaven. Consider that opposite to God's blessings are covenant curses, namely the woes mentioned in Luke, that will befall faithless sinners who choose to prefer worldly comfort and esteem above holiness and humility. And so we see Jesus 
preaching to us a reversal of prevailing values, challenging us to live up to the values of the kingdom and also to look forward to our royal inheritance. I love the phrase in the lyrics St. Thomas Aquinas gave us in O Solitaris in one English translation. Grant us grandless days in our true native land to be. As we heard in today's responsorial song, blessed are the poor in spirit, the kingdom of heaven is theirs. <laughs>